Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hey everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands, and today I'm at Fry's Brewing Company with Adam and Carrie Fry. Um, thanks for having me out, Adam and Carrie. Thank you very thanks much for, for being here. And as we've already discussed, uh, I haven't been here in forever. And the last time I was here, uh, the brewery was a tiny little room in the back, bottom corner of this barn. And this barn was just filled with stuff that I was worried my rambunctious daughter was going to hurt herself on. Yeah. It's it's, kinda. So it's, <laughs> it's quite a bit different now. We, uh, we've taken our time and and built up a really nice uh uh tasting room i think um our we have 20 taps on and we're doing a something a lot different than when you first came out here a long time ago we have bad so and i don't i don't even remember could you have a tasting room when you first opened i, I could not okay that's I was I not allowed to <clears throat> it's it's so hard to remember like uh, that time frame of when places opened what was allowed and what wasn't so when you first opened you were all um you had certain times and days that you were doing growler fills right yeah and i think then, it was like the first uh every other week or something because we couldn't even keep up with with yeah. demand for the yeah and then you had kegs in some uh restaurants a few restaurants um, around here i know you're really popular at one out in baltimore yeah because max lentz is a big fan of yeah. so wherever he worked before starting baltimore spirits company yeah, it's been a while was it liam <laughs> no it was across the street from liam flins at uh joe squared yes joe, that's squared, it, joe squared and liam flins both of those uh fun restaurants back then so you've gone from um it was a a little dirt parking lot <laughs> he walked down a hill into a a shed actually it wasn't even part of the was it part of the barn or the, the, it was it, a separate no, shed it's, it's yeah the, it's actually it the was, milk house yeah we it brewed was in, in the milk house that's right and uh to this absolutely beautiful uh converted barn into a tap room uh and a ton of outdoor seating yes uh we're trying to get people to um enjoy themselves when they show up and i mean you know, beers beers meant to be had, uh, you know, with friends. And instead of having, uh, don't get me wrong, sitting inside, it's a it's a beautiful interior. I think that uh, you know everybody comes in here um, is absolutely loves what they see. But when they go outside and and just see the the backyard, basically the uh, I don't know, you can see for almost a mile in any given direction. Uh, we have a valley out here that's it's a beautiful little valley. Um, trees and, and fence lines and, and all the stuff that you want to see, including a marsh. It's, it's quite pretty. Yeah, I would say it has a, it has a slightly uh, better view than your average industrial park brewery. I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and I don't, I know you have horses. Um, what else is on the farm? Uh, so this farm is 1,800 acres total. So it's, it's a big farm. Uh, we have some horses actually um on this side of the farm on uh right here uh we have chickens ducks and turkeys still two steers two steers three turkeys <laughs> three and turkeys three sheep and three sheep <laughs> and so uh, no horses on this side yeah no horses on this side of the farm okay but they're on the other side they the were yes, the last they time were. i was here yes, though they were <laughs> that was so long ago that's yeah, been a while <laughs> um so 
when did this uh, and I think I mean it's been probably about two years since I've had you on as a guest and I believe that was right around the time where this had just opened or it was opening it was about two weeks after we opened you it were a, on yeah so it was a few weeks that was, uh, would have been early March early March of 2019 something like how that how time flies it's been that a sounds while. about right yep. it's been a while <laughs> um, and that w- you just had the barn part portion finished correct or did you have all the seating outside and everything uh we had a so, little bit of seating no, outside well, like so two i think we had like just two uh picnic tables at i that think point. it was okay. that summer we we kind of battled back and forth about getting picnic tables and i said oh we should get two picnic tables and that seemed like such a big deal at the time and we put them out front and nobody ever used them except for maybe to smoke and then when covid happened and we reopened it was june 1st of 2020 um it was this massive rush, of course, for outside seating. And it was yeah. a scramble for us to get tables fast enough and get them built fast enough and purchase them fast enough to be able to accommodate the the shift in thinking and the shift in seating. So I think one weekend we bought 20 tables and then saved up our money and bought 20 more and had a big party to put them together. So really the, the COVID uh, situation is what dictated kind of this big shift to outdoors. Once people saw that it was beautiful and they could enjoy it, I think now it's kind of the new normal. Um, and well, we usually have half and half every weekend, half inside, half outside. I think um, it probably a big part playing into that, too, is that there are so many more farm breweries now. So yes. that's become more of what people associate to uh, drinking uh, drinking Certainly. at a brewery experiences. Oh, yeah. Like you go in any direction in this area and there is a large, beautiful farm brewery to drink at. So it's, it's become more of a normal pastime mm-hmm. type thing. Yeah, we certainly find that other farm breweries kind of set the expectation for us, which is something we, you know, there's pros and cons to that. We want to have our own identity and do sometimes what's good for us or good for our farm or good for our family. And then other times you have to kind of go with the norms. So, yeah. Thankfully, though, I think... Uh, that no one's doing anything outlandish on farms. <laughs> not, not that I've heard. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> too crazy. We do get, um, because we're out here in, in wine region of, uh, of Frederick County, you know, the Linganore region is, you know, home to five vineyards and three farm breweries. So uh, we've got um, quite a lot of people coming out here just for the wine. And then we're kind of a stopover, like, oh, hey, let's check out the brewery while we're at it. And we get quite a lot of people coming out here that, that enjoy uh, you know, the outside, obviously. And then, um, you know, beers, it's here, you know, we're, we're very happy. Uh, one of the things that, um, we get a lot of is the, the, yeah, let me back up there a little bit. One of the things that we get a lot of are people showing up here and because we're in the wine region, uh, most people, um, feel that, that, that beer is a little more let your hair down and, and relax kind of a thing versus the wine itself versus a little more. And I'm just, I'm not going to say hoity, but you know, it, it's wine. It's a little more upper crust, I guess you'd say, whereas beer is let your hair down and, and, you know, hang out with the, your friends kind of a thing. What has, um, has the outdoor area still continued to be just as popular even as people are more comfortable being inside yes we were we were afraid that we were going to spend a lot of money on the picnic tables and the umbrellas and all the other stuff for the outside and then as soon as basically covid was over 
um, everybody would just move right back inside again. And, and, and then we just spent a lot of money for no reason. Um, which is, I think most restaurants were worried about that across, you know, restaurants and breweries and everybody else that were very worried about that because that's a lot of money to spend and have nothing to show for it yeah. as soon as it's over. So luckily for us, um, having the outside picnic tables has been, um, you know, quite, quite a boon. I think, you know, people, people showing up, enjoying themselves sitting outside as long as it's not raining. I mean, we, we have some people that sit outside while it's raining. Sit right through the rain. Yeah. They'll sit in the rain, just snuggle up underneath an umbrella or two and, and enjoy themselves. And that's kind of nice too. I think, um, another added benefit to, to a farm brewery and is that you always see people going out in large groups. Now it seems like, and want to like show up with 12 people and, it's much more accommodating in a place like this than if you go to a, a downtown brewery. Yeah, uh, well, if the if the brewery's small inside, um, you're going to have some issues, obviously. But uh, one of the nice things about, like, if you have a big brewery is, you know, especially with a lot of outside areas, it, you and your friends can all kind of relax and just spread out a um, couple picnic tables together and, and then, uh, you know, sit with your friends and have a have a good afternoon. One thing I like that we offer is, you know, there's just different types of people and there's people that just religiously want to sit on the sofas, religiously want these tables, religiously want to sit alone they have on the front place. lawn um, or love the patio because they want to watch the chickens and the cows. And so there's, I would say, five, six to ten different options for people where they can feel like part of a crowd but isolated and, and doing their own thing. Yeah. So... What what days of the week are you open? So we are open to the public Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We do um, essentially like rentals or private events Monday through Thursday. So typically each week we're booking about two events during the week where, you know, a group, whether it's an office or a you know group of friends can do a happy hour or a party or employee appreciation, anything like that. Um, we do comedy night on Thursday yeah. once a month. So that's not typic- not open to the public, but a ticketed event. So... Usually we're running about five days a week when all is said and done. Are you doing any distribution now or is it all? Pretty much now. Um, We're um, all about men over in Frederick. Uh, We've got some beer in there with them and that's about it right now. That's a barbershop, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) It took me a little bit to process that. (laughs) (laughs) I went there to get um, clean shaved once. Nice. When it, it was right when I had put my daughter down for a nap, uh-huh. I went there, had a straight razor clean shave. And when I got home, she was just waking up and walking down the steps and just yelled no and ran away oh from me. Oh my God, that's funny. That's <laughs> what, she, she does not like a beardless dad. That's funny. <laughs> I, th- I think we're really enjoying bringing people here and sharing what's special to us and what means something to us versus just making sure our beer is in every store, every, you know, bar. It's, it's really important to us that people come out here and have the experience, not just the beer. We kind of say the beer is just what gets them here. It's not really about drinking. It's about being here and sharing, sharing the the space. One of the things that I, I, I felt was always a problem was when I was, when I was doing distribution, um, in some of the restaurants, you would talk to the to the owner, and the owner would talk to his, his or her employees, and discuss you know what the beer was about, and make a big deal out of it with the with the uh, bartenders, and uh, and people would have it um, 
more or less uh, a good time knowing what the beer was and where it came from and how, you know, but then there was a lot of other restaurants that we would sell to that just didn't care about that, that process. They didn't make a big deal out of it. They didn't explain to um, their uh, bartenders what was happening, which the bartenders in turn wouldn't explain to the customers what they were drinking. And we had a lot of negative feedback uh, from places that were just more or less just churning out, you know, drinkers at that point. Um, so we had issues with, you know, uh, different regions, I guess you'd say, like, uh, some of the places that really took the time to explain it to their bartenders who took their time to explain it to the customers. Um, we'd have a much better, uh, feedback process and, you know, what, what they liked, what they didn't like, what, how, you know, the, the entire process just worked a lot better. It gelled. Um, so over, over the years of, of, um, you know, doing distribution, I just got turned off to the entire process. It was just too hard to keep up with. Um, one of the biggest problems with restaurants uh, that we had was the uh, of the amount of people that were um, turning like churning through the restaurant game. Like you know, you you go to work for a restaurant, you work there for a year, and then you quit and go on to the next restaurant. And and that was always a problem for the, um, for us if we found a person that was buying the beer. Uh, that person might only be there for six months, and then when that person leaves who's buying the beer, we're not sure. And you try to get through that process, um, discussing, you know, with whoever you, you, so you kind of like having to resell yourself exactly, every, every six months. And it was, it was quite the headache. Um, and the big thing about it was it, in those restaurants, it was the hardest ones, uh, to, to make any headway with because nobody was explaining, you know, what the beer was or anything like that. I mean, we, we were doing sours back when, pretty much you know you, you couldn't find sours very easily now you can find sours everywhere in just about every restaurant and just about every brewery you go to you can find a sour but we were doing sours when nobody even knew what they were and you'd try to explain to them what a sour was and well i don't understand this and but the bartenders um at those restaurants weren't doing a very good job of and i'm not blaming the bartenders they just didn't know because somebody there was there was a deficit i guess you'd say of of information and because of that lack of information, um, things just weren't going along very well. Uh, so for us, I think we do a better job here um, selling our beer out of here. Um, we can discuss it with our customers a lot better. Uh, we have instant information like given to the customers. Uh, you know, Carrie or I are almost always around the brewery on the weekends. I mean, we might be away like one day or something like that, but we're usually around and we're usually there to talk to a customer like to help. Um, we've gotten the information back from more than one customer that said, um, I've never met the owner before of, of the breweries uh, or, or of a brewery. And we're always uh, hanging out here, um, to talk to people. And we just want to make sure that it, it flows well around here. And it pretty much does It'd probably be difficult to, to just keep up. With so many people coming here now on weekends to to have the beer to even send out. Yeah, it's it really is. It's what we're trying to do is not kill ourselves, you know, too awful much. There's a there's a fine line we kind of teeter between keeping it personal and understanding that we do need help and we do need employees and staff to be able to handle things. Um, but we don't want to lose that personal touch that that we've worked so hard to create. So it is, you know, we at the end of the day, this is our farm. Um, we live here. This is, this is our life. 
we want people to come out and enjoy it. And I mean, this is kind of like, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's what we want to share. I mean, yeah. this is it. And, and I think the people that come out here, I think they see that when they, when they show up here. I think they really understand that this is, this is, this is definitely something more than just um, your standard brewery. And let's take a, a real quick sponsor break. Okay. And when we get back, um, it's been almost five years since you were first on and like even told the story of how Fry's Brewing came to be. Uh, you are our second guest. There may have been, I don't know, 10 people who listened then. <laughs> really? Yeah, really. So, <laughs> so I think when we come back, uh, we should just tell the that story over again because there's probably a lot of listeners who oh don't goodness. know that so um we will be right back sounds good thank you uncapped is brought to you by one of frederick's original maryland craft beer destinations located off of urbana pike featuring a warm inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap open seven days a week our friends at roast house pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs or one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. All right, so what year did Fry's open? So technically we opened in 2012, um, but we didn't start brewing until 2013, our last license, which was, we got our federal license in 2012. Um, we got our state license in 2013. So we were able to start brewing um, in February 2013, and it's, we haven't stopped. Well, I guess technically we slowed down for a little bit there was to a, get the tasting room open. Yeah, there was a hiatus. <laughs> there was a small hiatus, yeah, <laughs> to get the tasting room open. But, but since then, uh, it's, it's, it's been quite a, quite a journey. How did you first get into brewing? Um, so that's one of those ones where when I bought this farm uh, in 1995, it's been a long time, um, I really wanted to uh, turn it into a vineyard because we were out here in the, in the heart of wine country uh, for <laughs> Frederick County at the time. So at that point in time, there was only three vineyards out here. And I wanted to be the fourth one. And my family talked me out of it and said, no, nah, that's a lot of work, dude. And I was like, ah, oh, geez, you know, I'd really love to do it. And, but a lot of work is a lot of work is a lot of work. So um, fast forward uh, to 2000, I think it was around 2009, I got the idea to open up a farm brewery out here and started pursuing that. And then I got uh, you know, deeper and deeper into it and finally got open, like I said, in, in 2012, 2013. And, uh, and that's where we're at. So did you, like, were you into home brewing? 
I, I started home brewing. Um, was that before or after you decided that? I, in 2009, basically, was well, I had an uncle that had been home brewing since the 70s. And he was like a, a wildcat, um, a lot of fun to hang out with. And I, I had, I'd been hanging out with him brewing for years and uh, just seeing what he was doing. And he, he had gotten into wine a lot more than beer. And basically by 2009, he just gave me all his beer brewing equipment. He's like, here you go. I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be great. And well, started kegging right off the bat instead of bottling. Uh, apparently, a lot of home brewers have problems with bottling because they're, it's a lot more steps um, to keep everything cleaned and, and, and properly sanitized and everything. So, and uh, honestly, most home brewers don't do a good job of cleaning their bottles very well. I mean, they most, I mean, well, most home brewers that are starting up don't do a good job of, of cleaning out the bottles properly. So they usually have a lot of problems there. So, but, um, since I didn't have to deal with bottles, uh, for me, when I started out home brewing, it just, it just was a lot easier. You know, here's how you clean the keg and there you go on to the next step. And, uh, so you can brew five gallons at a time, pop it into a keg, you know, get it out of the fridge and, and, you know, pour your beer in that and enjoy the night. I did one batch of homebrew that I bottled and then bought a kegerator. Smart. <laughs> Very smart. Sucked. And then I stopped and just let professionals take care of yeah, it for that's me. Also and smart. Then, <laughs> instead, instead of having to spend a whole day, I just run in, pick up a four pack. It's, it's, it's not bad. I mean, honestly, with all the breweries out there nowadays, um, even back when, when we got it open, um, you know, here, there wasn't uh, a lot of beer out on the shelf as it is now. I mean, now it's like the amount of breweries have popped yeah. up. I mean, I think when I started getting my federal license, there were less than 2,000 uh, breweries in the United States. And there's, I don't even know what the number is now. It's a little it's, over eight, I believe. Is it over eight now? It may be more than that, yeah, too. It's, Who knows? It, every time I look, I'm like, holy smokes, I can't, I, I couldn't possibly be any more than it is. And yeah, it is every time. But like I said, it was under 2,000 when I started, uh, you know, trying to get this open. Yeah, and Maryland had, what, maybe oh, uh, 20? Yeah, it was like, 30, 30, I think it was 30 breweries yeah. or something. I can't remember. Now there's that many just in the region, I think. Yeah, I mean, we've got quite a lot. Um, just uh, the Frederick County, how, how many does Frederick County have right now? I don't know. I wish people would stop asking me that. <laughs> or, or that I would just put in the effort to actually count how many. I believe there are 12 in the city. Wow. Um, but I, like I said, I haven't actually counted. Wow. I'm lazy. Yeah. Well, there, there's a bunch. Yeah. A bunch. It's a, 20 it's, to 30 in the yeah. region. I we'll think go, we'll is Frederick County still has more than Baltimore City, I believe. I don't know because Baltimore's had a lot open yeah. over the last year or so. Really so it'll, if it may be, if it's, if they haven't surpassed, it's really close at yeah. this point. Yeah. We're, we've always been kind of neck and neck with Baltimore. So it's, it's kind of a nice thing. I like seeing that Baltimore is doing some, you know, some really cool, um, you know, beer stuff down there. And of course, you know, I think that Frederick County right now is doing some really, you know, really good stuff out here. And I, I love to see, you know, what everybody's doing and, and how they're doing it. And, and, uh, I don't know. It's, I, I, I'm, I'm always impressed. So had you always been into craft beer or was oh, yeah. that more I, of a getting into it when you decided a winery wasn't going to happen? So not to, uh, not to, uh, narc on myself too much, but I did like beer when I was 16 and 
and I kind of started drinking, I, mean, I know back then craft beer, right? Uh, but back then was Molson Golden and Heineken. Yeah. <laughs> and if you were really lucky, you could find an, a Sam Adams on the shelf somewhere. And, uh, and I'd always, I, I had friends of mine that I used to work with for my, like with my father and, and, and everybody who, um, back in the day they would bring in, you know, Heineken in the morning or Molson Golden or like I said, Sam Adams or something like that in the mornings on a Saturday morning and they'd start drinking beer at nine o'clock in the morning. And I'd, well, what are you guys doing? And they're like, Hey, you want a beer? And sure. I'll, I'll try a beer at nine o'clock in the morning. Who, who won't, who would say no? And, uh, just fell in love with beer at that point in time in my life. And, and I've enjoyed it ever since. I mean, I really, truly, um, like going after those you know, unique beers. Um, like the first time I tried, um, you know, a, uh, you know, like sours out of like the, the Flemish region or the first times that I've tried, you know, like, I mean, so many different styles of beers out there that I just absolutely enjoy. Um, I, I kind of see myself as, you know, a person that if I haven't, if I haven't had the ability to have that beer yet, um, and it's hard, too hard to find, but I found a couple of recipes. I'll try brewing it myself just to see what it's like. And then hopefully within the next year, I'll be able to find that beer on the shelf somewhere like from that region or whatever and make a mental note if, you know, how it compared to the one that I made, you know, that kind of stuff. That's beers, beers, a lot of fun. And there's just so many different kinds of beer and so many different ways to brew it. I mean, it's like the, it's almost limitless. Are you still using um, the, your original brew house or has that been upgraded? Uh, we're still using the original brew house. Uh, we're still brewing uh, using dairy tanks. Um, it's one of those things where uh, yeah, I'm not saying that I'm embarrassed for what we're doing uh, because I'm not. I mean, we make some damn good beer. Um, um, Oxy Brewing makes Riot Rye with a converted dairy tank. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like you know, the the converted dairy tanks are not to be laughed at. I mean, they were they had their purpose. Um, you know, which was milk originally, but you know, they're, they're not good for milk anymore. So, but they're perfect for beer. So that's, that's the way I see it. I mean, if I'm going to, um, you know, repurpose something, uh, what better way? And it, it, this is something else that this is an aside. This is kind of funny. Um, the brewery and, uh, the, you know, uh, is still doing basically the same thing it was doing a long time ago when it was just a dairy barn, except replace uh, cow with yeast and replace beer, uh, milk with beer. And you've, pretty much flipped everything but you're feeding uh grain to cows to produce milk and you're producing uh, you're you're feeding grain to yeast to produce beer that's pretty much the exact same thing we're using all the same uh equipments all the same um, pumps i mean everything's the same uh, across the board it's just you have just different animals or different um organisms creatures. that you're dealing with creatures critters <laughs> <laughs> what what makes a tank no longer usable for milk uh, the FDA had um, certain ones were getting pulled offline because of the FDA's. Oh, okay. uh, they had different levels of what you could do. Um, the And I'm not trying to throw any person underneath the bus or anything like that, but it, um, there were uh, certain um, ways of skirting around so that they could keep the, the dairy tanks operating longer than they were allowed to underneath the FDA. Uh, like, so for instance, the FDA basically came in and said that you had to have, um, you couldn't be able to lift a tank lid, but you, you know, that kind of a thing. So people just bolted them in and so you couldn't lift it up, but it, obviously it wasn't as good as, you know, the newer style tanks. And then 
finally the FDA came in and said basically, no, if it had a liftable lid, you would have to get rid of it. So um, in just over the years, I mean, it's still stainless steel. It's still doing all the same stuff that it was doing back then. But um, the difference is milk can spoil and beer. I mean, beer can spoil, too. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're dealing but with alcohol. If milk spoils, it gets you really sick. Yeah. If beer spoils, if beer it, spoils just it just bad. tastes bad. Exactly. So. So, OK. So the uh, this is so off topic, but for some reason I find it interesting. Um, a milk tank that can be used, it doesn't have a hatch or that can be opened. It all has to be pumped or was I not understanding? We, we have, so we're using different dairy tanks for different things right now. Um, so on the hot side of the brew house, uh, we have a mash tun and a boil kettle and a, um, hold on, mash tun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. So we have four tanks actually. So we have the mash tun, the boil kettle, the hot liquor tank, and the cold liquor tank. Um, the cold liquor tank is a 500 gallon dairy tank that we have um, that literally just holds water. Uh, we cool it down uh, to, I'm going to say somewhere around 40 degrees-ish or so. And that way when we're, we're coming out of the hot side of the brew house into the cold side, it, uh, we uh, go through uh, a plate chiller, and th- which helps cool the beer down really fast uh, and gets it into the fermenter. We're putting it in the fermenter somewhere around 68 degrees um, on average. Some beers, uh, were, and uh, you and I talked about before we started the podcast, Kvikeists. Um, which are the Norwegian um, uh, yeasts that are coming out of like the farmhouses in Norway. And uh, those yeasts um, tend to be very hot, tend to run very, very hot. So you have basically 95 degree uh, wort coming out of your boil kettle and straight into the fermenter at 95 degrees, which isn't something that normally happens. It's, it's usually around 68 yeah. degrees. So it's, it's really hard for us to you know, regulate some of the stuff um, tr- you know, when we're playing around with different yeasts. Um, but that said, um, coming across, uh, like, like I said, you have the mash tun, the boil kettle, and the hot liquor tank on the other side, on the hot side, that allow you to, um, because they're stainless steel, they allow you to brew some uh, decent quantity. We, we usually brew 10 barrels at a time. And, and bring it across where the average brewery would have, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars wrapped up in their brew house. I, we just didn't spend that kind of money. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you know, the boil kettle alone, I think I paid uh, some farmer that went out of business, a um, uh, you know, dairy farmer went out of business, and I, he was using the boil kettle as a, um, a molasses lick. So they'd fill it up with molasses and the cows would basically just lick it out and which is, <laughs> and I found it and he sold it to me that and a few, um, pumps and such, uh, for like $400, which was, nice. <laughs> which was insane. I was like, thank you. And, and it's I like took how it much back. a pump cost. Exactly. It's and, uh, less and I, than a pump. It's less than a pump. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I brought it back and, and set it up and we've been using it ever since. And I'd be honest, with, I mean, we gave it a good cleaning, obviously, yeah, yeah. You know, get the, get the molasses out of there. It actually had about two inches of hardened molasses in the bottom of it and that i mean it was it was hard as a brick yeah it was so trying to get that out was was really rough but we got it out and and, and uh i've been using it ever since and it's it works it works like a charm how many fermenters do you have oh um so we do open fermentation here um which is not the average brewery you know what they you know, tend to tend to do um i feel that we're a farmhouse brewery that farmhouse breweries are a little more 
you know, open to nature. Um, you know, we're not, we're not, since we're not doing stuff where we're processing to go out of state, uh, where we're not bottling to do, you know, like, you know, faraway regions of, you know, of, uh, so for us putting, um, you know, putting the beer on tap here versus going out, we can control everything, you know, um, how it, how it goes from here, just, you know, from downstairs to the upstairs and we can control that, which open fermentation allows you to, um, you know, play around with that kind of such, uh, then we have um, three uh, smaller bright tanks and three larger bright tanks. And, and sometimes we'll use the bright tanks for lagering or for fermenting. Um, one of the things that we, uh, like I said, we, we do open fermentation here, but starting s roughly speaking around August 1st, um, uh, the beer gnats uh, move in. They, they decide to come in from outside and come inside and start seeking shelter, I guess. So usually from about August 1st until about... Uh, the first or second frost, um, we stop open fermentation and just move into the bright tanks and, and fermenters, like the closed fermenters that we have, and, uh, and, and brew that way for a while. And it works out. It works for us pretty well that way. How did you come up with the name Fry's Brewing Company? Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, um, at the time, there was nobody else around that was d using their own names anymore. And I was like, I thought that this, this was going to be, you know, instead of coming up with, I don't know, quirky McDuck, you know, brewing or something, you know, it just, it just felt more natural. This is, this is, uh, this is my farm. This is, you know, this is our life here. This is the fries, you know, way out here. And, and it just seemed fitting more fitting so than than any other quirky name that i could have come up with yeah i mean it was more sarcastic <laughs> ask people where they we come did up, a, how they came up we with did the a name. facebook <laughs> survey i don't know six months ago yeah. kind of a sarcastic is it fries or phrase and about 50 percent of people that had actually come here still thought it was phrase so we thought it was funny to collect that data and correct everybody so we, we always have a name of a beer up on tap well not always but we try to have at least one on tap that has fry in it somehow but it's got to be funny on how it so like right now we have one called fryer tuck and f-r-e-y-e-r -E tuck obviously so fryer tuck yeah so that's say. and you'll get people coming up say fryer tuck but we try to get stuff that rhymes we or, had fry of the tiger and, fry of the and tiger. about half the people said fray of the tiger <laughs> it's just fun you know it's, it's fun I'm guessing around. I probably never messed it up because I'm really good at messing up names because I would have heard you say it yeah, well sure. before I, I yeah. saw it written. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day. Um, but yeah, so the, the beer that we have on tap, I mean, there's always a, probably at least once or twice a day, somebody will walk up and say, Hey, can you settle this argument between me and my wife or yep. between me and, <laughs> you know, and they're like, is it phrase or fries? And we're like, it's fries. And we're like, I knew it, you know, and they'll go back and, and win that dollar or whatever, you know, from the wife. Um, but like I said, we're, we're always trying to put, you know, something on tap to keep it light and airy, I guess for, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, have, have fun with it. Um, and you were, you were in the air force. Yes. Correct. Yes. Thank goodness. I remembered that correctly. <laughs> <Slipping> around. 
Um, and, I, and that's why, even though you use the wrong insignia, I remember someone giving you oh, crap yeah. about that. So a lot of people, <laughs> that, a lot of people ask that about why, why you have the why the why the chevrons and the chev. So the Air Force started out in the Army. We were part of the Army. We were the Army Air Corps, and um, and we separated in 1947. Um, and even when we separated in 1947, we still had the chevrons until. I can't remember what year it was. Um, it changed over, but I think, I believe it was in the fifties, like sometime in you the late tell 50s. Me anything, yeah, I, 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 I can't believe remember. You. It's been a while. So the funny part <laughs> is, I was stationed of all the places in the world. I, to, for me to get stationed, I got stationed at Bowling Air Force Base in Washington D.C., and I'm from here, so I was only an hour from home. So that was kind of nice. Um, but our base, uh, apparently back in the day, was one of the was the base that they um, played around with what they call the mosquito wings for the Air Force, where it has the, the little star in the center of the stripes. Um, and that's where they tested it out to see if it would work or not. And apparently it did. And, and we went on with it. So but I figured the Chevrons were it, they it, the entire thing was supposed to be a little bit more uh, Army Air Corps than just Air Force. Yeah. And it just became Air Force and, and the Chevrons are still there and people are they might question it, but nobody ever argues with it. <laughs> it I mean, it, it, it lends itself to a, a good looking logo. Too. I think it does. I, I've had more than one compliment on that logo. So and I'm pretty happy about that. Um, are your sons still naming the beers? Uh, they do name some beers from time to time. Uh, usually I have, uh, at any given time, a list of names in my, uh, on my phone that I, I always keep. If somebody says something that's a little odd or quirky, I'll write it down instantly. Um, I'm trying to think of which one was like, I think dip dog diddly do was, I was really mad at you (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) I didn't have a good curse word and. I just called him a dip. I was like, you dip dog diddly do. And he pulls his phone out and stores it. So often it's just in conversation. Um, I tell people it's kind of like when you say something, you say, oh, that would be a great name for a band, but you actually don't write it down. We write it all down. Um, And there's no rhyme or reason to what we choose to go with which beer. It kind of just what feels right at that moment. Or Do you still have um, core beers or the, or the gore series one? is getting ready to come out no, core beer so oh, like core hood yeah. oh, okay sorry um core beers yeah so we have uh hoodbine light um which is like our number one seller almost every definitely week. a core Just beer about every, that's a core beer is that um, a lager yeah, yeah it's a light lager. lager and um i know it's like everybody's like oh, it's a light beer and i'm like yeah, oh, it's, it's pretty mostly now it's it's pretty hard <laughs> to drink anything else when you're yeah. you know <laughs> um sometimes um, when you have but, stuff to do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. Um, Gung Ho Joe. Yeah, Gung Ho Joe, Pussy Pile Parade, Whack Truck McDonkey. Uh, although right now we just pulled Whack Truck off um, and we're getting ready to brew it again here in a few weeks. It really depends on the season and, and kind of responding to who our audience is. I mean, every week is almost different. And you'll sometimes say this this week it's hot and everybody is wanting fruity and fresh and light and then three weeks later they want something rich and dark. So we kind of have to sometimes pull those core beers if they're not selling or if they're not hot that, you know, that season. Um, I think going into winter, a lot more of our core beers tend to prosper. Yeah. Like the pussy pilot parade and the gung ho Joe. Um, and you do get people, you know, you can't win. They, they're either angry because you don't have the core beers or they're angry because you don't have something new. So we try to do, I think we committed to five, five core, five kind of fluctuating, five experimental and five non-beer so sour cider seltzer 
Yeah. Not non-beer, but lighter, <laughs> fruitier. <laughs> Something that's different than regular Something beer. different. <laughs> Let's take one, uh, one more quick okay. sponsor break. And I think that's a good segue into talking about all the other things Ooh. that Ooh. you guys offer at Fry's. So we'll be right back. Thank Sounds you. good. I buy my beer at District East in downtown Frederick, Maryland. They have an amazing selection of local and hard-to-find beers, and I love the option of making my own mix-and-match custom six-pack. District East is on Northeast Street in Frederick, in the same shopping center as Showroom Restaurant and Rockwell Brewery. Most weeks, they have over 950 beers in stock. Check out this week's selection at www.districteastbeer.com. To all you craft breweries, wineries, and distilleries out there, listen up. Atlantic Custom Solutions is the real deal in providing you branded growlers, ceramics, glassware, and accessories like koozies, coasters, and keychains. Their high-definition digital printing, organic ink, and low-fire process ensures your brand is printed in ultra-high definition, giving you a one-up on the competition. We've used Atlantic Custom Solutions for uncapped branded glassware and couldn't be happier with it. Check them out. Visit www.brandmybeverage.com or give them a call at 434-286-4500 to learn more about how they can help you brand your business. McClintock Distilling is Maryland's first and only certified organic distillery, handcrafting gins, whiskeys, vodkas, and cordials from non-GMO organic ingredients in downtown Frederick. Named the best vodka distillery in the country by USA Today, Best gin in the world at the International Spirits Competition and double gold at the World Spirits Competition for bourbon, rye, and gin. Open now for tours, tastings, and classes. Come sample the most awarded distillery in Frederick today. All right. So, obviously, it's a brewery. Yes. But you have, I mean, just like a lot of places, um, especially destination-type places, you offer a whole slew of other things. Yes. What, what else do you have going on here? Carrie? Um... So I think the first thing we introduced was the cider, and that was definitely just a demand thing. Um, if you're going to broaden your audience and stay in business, you have to have something other than beer. And it's unfortunate because I think I hear a lot of naysayers in the beer community that are, you know, oh, you know, beer isn't beer anymore. But when you're running the business, you have to appeal to a larger audience if, if you know. Well, it turns out that places are going to make what people want to buy. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, it's we, weird how we do a lot of out. events here. And I think the, the first thing that kind of triggered us to that was with all the events that we do, you'd have 80 people come in and, you know, maybe 30 of them like beer, but, you know, 50 of them don't. So uh, we, I think we started with the cider. Then we uh, brought seltzer on. I'd say the first one we did was the uh, um, Obscene Dreams or basically it's a Berliner Weiss. And could, because we were doing uh, blends, uh, well, we had different syrups for that. And then we started doing that with the uh, We started playing cider. around with syrups with the cider, which, you know, at the time kind of felt tacky, for lack of a better word. But we people loved it. They just absolutely loved it and asked for more flavors. So we kind of have fun sitting around and going online, ordering new flavors, trying them out. And I kind of have a rule of like six people have to try them. And we, we do a blind vote, you know, okay, peach. No, that doesn't work. Uh, we brought seltzer online and then got the idea to kind of step up the ABV in the seltzer and almost use it as a as a as a liquor type style so that we could have more fun with it. So we've got a, a lemonade, um, Liberty Town lemonade that we do. We have the boozy smoothies that we do, where it's almost limitless the number of flavors we can 
produce and people just love them um what do you mix in with the, are those done as slushies or do you do the soft serve mix the, to make them more like a they're mixed with typically use like a, a mix of a juice and then either an ice cream or sorbet okay. and, and it's it's interesting because just out of experimenting if you don't add that ice cream or sorbet you lose that creaminess and you lose the color yeah. interestingly so you'll get like it'll start off really good but four hours later it's kind of icy or kind of chunky yeah um the sorbet helps keep it smooth or the sherbet um which is also a challenge because people want a flavor, but I've got to be able to buy the stuff. I've got to be able to go to the store and find orange yeah. or peach or whatever flavor we're doing that week. Um, we've we've done some with Mike's Gelato where we we did uh, Gung Ho Joe with like a dark coffee mocha ice cream or gelato, oh, which was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but ma- mainly you use seltzers in that, or do you, correct? Do you do so beer a high lot? ABV okay. seltzer. We've tried them with the beer the consistency wise. It just, it, again, it might be good for three or four hours, but it doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold okay. up overnight. Um, and you really have to mask the beer to find one that, that yeah. really tastes good. And we're like, why mess with it? We do sometimes use cider yeah, as, the, um, as the base. The only places I've ever seen that use beer, it's a heavily fruited sour. So it's barely a beer. Right, right. Yeah, but they're absolutely delicious. But at that point, it's basically just a milkshake. Sure. Yeah. And we it have, tastes I think amazing. What's nice about the seltzer is we have a lot more control over flavor and we have a lot yeah. more control over the ABV. We can get it right to a 5%, bringing it down. Yeah. Um, so you're just using a base, like flavorless seltzer. Correct. And then making it... Making it what we want. And we do, you know, we usually spend like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday kind of experimenting. I think we found about 10 flavors that work and the rest just kind of don't execute well. You know, somebody wanted a pumpkin spice and I just thought, I'm not sure how I'm going to do that. (laughs) Um, But also another thing that sells really well is the mocktails, the the non-alcoholic. We kind of did it as a, you know, maybe we should do this. Maybe one in 50 people order. And there's weekends where we blow through pictures and pictures of it. Uh, We do use a non-alcoholic um, spirits so it is actually kind of pricey it actually is more than a bottle of liquor but uh we've come up with a couple concoctions that really keep people happy that aren't but zero alcohol it, no alcohol it, 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 there's called spiritless um non-alcoholic spirits yeah, so and it's funny we've had people come up weird. and say what you is know, it i'm pregnant but i don't want my friends to know yet so can you give me something that looks like i'm drinking um, or it and gives me the you know, feel that, you know, like I want to feel like I'm drinking alcohol. I want to feel part of the crowd. And so. I wanna, yeah, because I want to feel part of that crowd. And, and what, what is it? There's distilled. literally distilled. They're, they're distilled, um, but they don't have alcohol in them. So, like, huh. there's literally zero. I believe but they're, they're distilled. distilled from alcohol and then the alcohol's removed no, somehow. I don't, or, think they are. I don't know. Distilled from alcohol. A lot of it's just a, a blend of water and spices where you, you get kind of that punch. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's hard to describe because you'll taste it on its own. It has no flavor. But when you add it to something, you're like, oh, I get it. So we do a Cosmopolitan. We have one in the winter that people love, the Barnyard Blizzard, that's made with like an oat milk and, a, and coconut. And it's phenomenal. Um, we have the, the bourbon and Coke, the quote unquote bourbon and Coke, which is really, <laughs> really good. bourbon Coke. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and it's funny when we first started doing them and, and we still had kids on the property, the kids were drinking the <laughs> the crap out of them and uh, the parents would get the bill and they say oh my goodness you know they uh but now it's it's we do have a really good audience for them and are always trying to come up with new, not, new not recipes the bourbon. they weren't the kids weren't drinking the they bourbon drinking the they were drinking the, the cranberry the barnyard blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, now i need to look into that i i bet it is alcohol removed i bet i, it, I, it, I literally don't mean, know that would make sense for it's it like to be zero that, alcohol be... though it's not even like 0.5 yeah. so that's oh, okay. what that's what makes me you know question 
you know, that it's it, removed. Yeah, yeah. That it's removed because I mean, just I trying to think, think like why heavily, it would be so expensive. But I guess if just it is distillation, just, I think yeah, processing wise, you're looking at the same equipment. Yeah, and so we, it we all know how much that expenses, costs. Um, like the same labor, same mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. So maybe it is just. I mean, and people come in here and they they absolutely you know when we when we tell them we have non-alcoholic drinks. People get excited about that. I mean, so is it? Does it taste just like? I mean, maybe not exactly one hundred percent. You don't get but, the burn, yeah. um, but you get definitely like because we we didn't want to spend a lot of money, you know, putting in the non-alcoholic spirits if we could just serve them cranberry juice. So we yeah. did sit there and say, "Wow, does this taste different than just a glass of cranberry juice?" And it definitely does. It definitely has kind of a lack oh, yeah. of a we, better word, a more adult we, flavor, but not the burn of the we alcohol. Went through, we went through quite a lot of. Um, you know, tastings basically where we, we try, we bought, um, different, um, you know, like basically back ends, I guess you'd say to, you know, to try it, you know, like this one here doesn't work. This one here tastes too sweet. This one's, and I think over, over time we've developed what we feel is the right, uh, flavor profile to keep on going Mm -hmm. forward. We, we know it can't be too sugary. It can't be too, you know, it has to be something that an adult would want and to to be able to yeah we got we got to fly in here <laughs> he's like bu- the other everybody. thing too is just serving it in a glass and showing that respect too like just because you're not buying our alcohol we're still going to give you a beautiful glass and a sugar rim and a cocktail straw and yeah. ice and actually i think we put more care into yeah, really. serving those <laughs> sometimes than the beer because we do want it to be an experience even for that person yeah um, they really do present well it's fun and we have a coffee bar. We uh, added that, I think, about a year ago. Yeah. Just again, like, you know, I think what people don't realize, even though they drive right by our house, is that this is our home. And if you're, I always say this is like having Thanksgiving. You know, if, if you're having Thanksgiving, you have a large crowd, somebody's going to want a cup of coffee. Somebody's going to want a hot yeah. cocoa. Somebody's going to want a soda. And so uh, the coffee bar has been a big hit as well. How many people can you fit here? Uh, 99. Inside, inside ninety nine, and then of course outside is I guess virtually. That's outside. So (laughs) I mean, we had about a thousand out here two weeks ago. So for the Jeep Festival, so and we still had plenty of room. Yeah, we raised twenty one thousand dollars for St. Jude's Hospital, so it was quite quite exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. we were so stoked. Oh, I just realized why you said why when we had kids here. That confused me at Sorry. first. Sorry. Now, but no, now I remember you don't allow. Yeah. Which I think is a growing trend because there are just so the, many. The the kids were becoming problematic. How's that? Not not problems. The kids but were not the problem. The lack of supervision. <laughs> yeah. Um, and unfortunately, our farm. It's it's an interesting it's farm. farm in that one we've got 13 acres of wetland that does not present like wetland. So. We were having children walking down thinking they were stepping into a stream and getting caught in two feet of mud. Um, oh. And then, you know, you'll have someone say, well, you should put a fence up. Well, this is protected well, we, wetland. We, we can't had, put a fence we up. Had yeah. signs, things like we that. Had, you know, we had, I mean, we have a fence up and they were still like walking through the fence or climbing through the fence and yeah, stuff. Apparent th- apparently those people have not met a kid before. Yeah. <laughs> so we, it was very we, stressful. It was, yeah. it was taking away from our enjoyment taking away from patrons enjoyment uh, yeah. but mostly you know safety um and also you know you don't want to watch somebody 
you know, both parents in taking three, four, five drinks and, and, and driving with their children. So, um, yeah, I think, I think there's no, well, I mean, there are definitely quicker ways. Uh, there's no quicker way in a beer group to start a fight than to bring up kids Correct. or to, what's the yeah. other dogs. Yes. Kids uh, and dogs. Kids, kids yeah. and dogs. And you know, dogs is something we do allow, but, uh, again, we're, you know, always reassessing how we do business. And I think that's something we take pride in is we don't just stagnate. Um, and if dogs became a problem, we'd have to address that as well. So far we have not had any issues we've, with animals. We, um, the biggest problem I think we've had is what, um, somebody will always bring that dog that's the never barker. stops barking yeah. and, and you have to basically go over and say, Hey, look, you know, your, your dog's barking too much, you know? And, and then the person, you know, Oh, okay. Sparky, calm it down, you know, type of thing. But you know, you have to stay on top of that person. And luckily we don't have too many of those, but every once in a while you have that, that person with that dog. And yeah, you know. I think that there's definitely a growing number of places that I've seen be more restrictive on having kids sure and it's almost always cited as like, the same reasons you gave like yeah. safety or i mean like it's, it's yeah, I mean, I, i'm not going to get any, i'm not going to get into any specifics or anything like that but it's like when you're looking out at your cows that are running down the hill towards some kid because the kid has literally climbed through the fence and and where's the parents at i mean the parents aren't even anywhere around and you yeah. and you go and you finally find the parents and you're like hey you know is this your kid and oh uh yeah <laughs> and then like what did he do and it's like it's more like what you did he's about you, to get not, trampled <laughs> yeah it's, it's like it's you need to keep an eye on your kid and your other and, one's <laughs> stuck in that marsh over there <laughs> yeah and it's it, it can get pretty I, I mean it's a farm it's a working yeah. farm so we have equipment here we have tractors we have uh cows i mean animals, you know the yeah. animals the chickens and such and not that we have aggressive chickens or anything but well but I mean, there's always that one rooster that's over on the hill. Some of the roosters actually hang out around um, the picnic tables and stuff, and they're they're pretty nice and gentle. But you know, where uh, when it comes to having um, you know some of the roosters actually near where the you know the, the coops are, uh, they can get a little more aggressive because they don't like strangers just walking yeah. up to their you know their their women folk. <laughs> what um what is the farm like what what is what does the farm produce uh so we just did um 50 acres of corn here um on that's on this side of the farm like i said the farm itself is 1800 acres but the farm that we're just sitting on right here this is a 126 acre farm and uh we just uh harvested last a week and a half ago last week week and a half yeah a week and a half ago uh corn um uh 50 acres of corn off of this farm uh, we're getting ready to plant uh, winter wheat, which is what we grow uh, for, you know, we use winter wheat in all of our beer. Um, everything that we do here is, is based around, you know, uh, and the big reason uh, we use wheat versus barley is because um, it's, it's more, when you grow winter wheat, you can get more money for winter wheat because we're so close to Tasty Cake and Entman's up in Pennsylvania. And that's where um, every farmer around here, they, they, you get almost twice as much uh, per, um, per bushel of, uh, of wheat than you do for like the equivalent barley or such. Huh. Yeah. And then it'll rotate to soy. Yeah, then it'll rotate the out to soy. You have to have rotational crops. Yeah. You can't grow the same crop over and over. I mean, um, I just watched a documentary uh, yesterday um, talking about Haiti. Uh, versus the D- Dominican Republic, which is the same island, 
and how Haiti basically because of... Have you ever been there? No, I haven't. If you fly, when you're flying to the Dominican Republic, you fly over Haiti. Yeah. Correct. And you can see the border. Yeah. It is a no... And I, I always wondered that, and that makes sense, because I'm... A, I cut you off, but I bet you were about to say Haiti yeah. doesn't do they didn't crop rotation. They didn't. They, they were just like the same crop over and over yeah, and over and so over, and they just literally destroyed their soil. As you're as you're flying over, there is a sharp line yeah. of like some green and mainly brown to like lush forest. Yeah, 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 lush, lush forest. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, and it's because um, in the documentary they were talking about how the um, it, it was the French the French mindset. Um, and then, of course, when the French basically were kicked out, uh, Haiti was the first all, um, all black um, country, I think, or it was actually it started its own. Like after they kicked the French out, they took over those themselves. The first former slave. God, I can't remember how it went, but basically they were the first. And the, the United States and most of the other countries didn't even recognize them as a country. So they had they, they stayed in poverty for a long time, which obviously it's, it's going to probably be another at least another hundred years, I think, before Haiti could even get out of what they're in right now. It's, I feel pretty bad for those people. Yeah, when when we were flying over that, like I, it was just so noticeable. Yeah. So like the first, one of the first thing I asked whenever like we were talking to someone who lived there, I was like, "Hey, why does it look so different on the two wow. sides of the was, island?" They, that's what, and that was the thing that they were showing, like aerial maps, and you're like, "Holy yeah, smokes!" It's that's, amazing that's how crazy different. how much different. But that's exactly. Um, if you so that's if why you don't be have soybeans in this if you don't have a rotational crop, yeah, you have to have you have to have the rotation. Going Essentially, on leach or, the soil of yeah. of the nutrients that like know, soy replenishes certain things and kill you know and and absorbs other things. Corn does. I I can't you know I can't remember which nutrients yeah, is which. You just know but, you, you know, need to. <laughs> yeah, you have to do it because if you don't, you're um and and of course uh, the wheat uh, the winter wheat uh, acts as a cover crop. Uh, for the winter time, so uh, that way, um, after you've harvested, uh, once you put that down, um, it helps the soil to not uh, basically get washed away, you know, with every rain or something. So that's that's another thing that you you really need. Are you still um, growing any hops here? Right now, no. Um, we literally mowed off the rest of it, um, uh, the rest of our hops um, recently. Um, it, they just they just don't grow well in Maryland. Yeah, and that's, it, that seems to be an experiment more and more places are uh, giving up on it's, in Maryland. It's I mean, there's still places they that grow, are doing that. It's not as cost effective. It's it's, yeah, it, it, let's put it like this. I can What I can buy hops for... Um, what I grow hops for is probably about maybe by the time I put them in the beer, it costs me 10 times more than if I just bought it. So, and that's a lot. I mean, yeah. my time is money and my, you know, and the amount of equipment that you have to have. But yeah, it's the like an of, economy of scales. It's, yeah, so it's, and it, it literally, I, I, when I can buy it for, um, you know, like, let's just say nugget because I, I, I was growing nugget here and I had... Um, at one point in time, I had uh, the largest hop yard in the state, right? It was at four acres. Woo, that's a big, you know, <laughs> out west, you know, hundreds and hundreds of yeah. acres, but I had four acres. That was a, that was a big to-do. Um, but just trying to keep up with it. But having uh, Nugget out there, um, which Nugget is a late uh, harvest, uh, which we were fighting uh, powdery mildew, downy mildew, uh, verticillium wilt. Uh, we were fighting uh, the, the number one enemy um, here on the farm was Japanese beetles. 
uh, that one year they hit us. They and this was the last year that I I even tried. I was like I was done after that. But they hit three times that year, and they literally wiped everything. wiped everything out all three times. And the last time that they hit, they hit the week before harvest. The cones weren't ready yet. Um, they hit and they ate the damn cones off of the hot plants. And I was like, I think this is, I'm, I'm done here. And I just opened up the gates and let the cows in after that. I was, I was like, here you go, cows. And (laughs) And for more practical reasons, uh, we needed parking. So (laughs) even now, if we wanted to overflow parking, that, um, that, that's another hot, maybe not in quite as large of a circle, but a hotly debated topic of whether or not, uh, hops can be grown effectively in maryland or i not. i think it's just too hot here i mean a lot of people don't realize just how far north uh, like germany and england are um compared to where we are um you know dc and madrid are on the same with parallel or whatever and so that's how far uh north germany is, is you know if you, if you start to go you know it's like yeah. it, it's kind of like where quebec is almost or something i'm not sure i don't I have a map in front of me but i know it's I'm a lot of a damn cartographer yeah, i'm not a cartographer <laughs> damn it i'm a brewer um no but they uh there's so much farther north so you have uh brighter days uh, for longer times you know because the of the the tilt of the earth um, so you're getting like an extra hour to hour and a half or something like that of light uh, during the peak, you know, light, um, you know, uh, sunlight. And then uh, you're also getting um, a, uh, let's see, you, the peak sunlight. There was, oh, geez, I'm trying to remember. Fewer what of the uh, 90 degree and greater Oh, yeah, days, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. Uh, the 90, it, uh, uh, when hops get above 90, there was a big test done. This is after we'd already planted the hop yard out and yeah. everything like that. But this, there was one um, hop growing uh, group out of, I want to say it was out of Michigan, but I can't remember for sure anymore. But they were they did a bunch of tests and they're like, and they found that a lot of the hop, um, um, most of the hops that they were growing after 90 degrees just stopped growing. They literally went into dormancy. Oh, so, so and, if you have long extended periods of time. And in Maryland, we have uh, 35 days on average above 90 degrees. So that's 35 days where your hops aren't growing. So by the time it was all said and done, like the most I ever saw um, anybody grow around here, um, as far as hops go, was about a, pa- a half a pound per plant out west in like um, Oregon and, and you know Washington State and, and Idaho and stuff. They are growing um, off the exact same varieties. Uh, they are growing um, three to four pounds off the exact same because plants. of those extra because of the extra days. time and the extra and and the lower temperature. So like they're only getting like five days above ninety degrees, where we're getting thirty five days above. Now there's still like there's still people in Maryland who are successfully doing it. Oh yeah, I wonder is it like. Is it just they they have some secret to what they're doing, or is it the f- the farmland and most the soil of it, there? Most of or? it is small scale. Um, okay. Some of these guys are doing larger scale. Um, a lot of the, some of these guys are, are and, and gals, I should say, but some of these people are taking um, a different approach instead of going the old way, which you know everything you read was no more than let's just say a thousand plants per acre. Some of these uh, places that I've been to are like doubling up or tripling the amount of plants, um, in the same, uh, in the same row. So in other words, instead out West, uh, it's every, every plant gets 49 square feet. Um, and if you go to Europe, it's one square meter or whatever, you know, that equates to, 
Um, and it doesn't, it's not that much of a difference between the two, but at 49 square feet, each, each plant has room for its roots to grow out and, and do what it needs to do. So if you're growing here in Maryland and you're, and you're condensing that, that one plant doesn't get 49 square feet. Now it gets, you know, 20 square feet or something, you know, so that it, 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 the root system is going to get choked out by the next plant beside it. So it becomes that with diminishing returns kind of a thing yeah. as the more you try to plant, the less that hop plant is going it's to produce. So, but the most I've ever seen grown here in Maryland, um, and I, I don't know, maybe somebody's growing now that's able to get more. Um, but at the time, uh, you know, back in the day when, when I was, um, you know, growing hops, the most I ever saw anybody get was a half a pound per plant. It's funny cause it, it's definitely one of those things where and, and the people on both ends of the spectrum feel firmly too, <laughs> like that. No hops cannot be grown in Maryland. Yeah, and then people they, who would, firmly believe yes, hops can be. I grown don't think in there's Maryland. a right answer. I think, you know, looking at our resources and our time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's more for us. Even how do we spend our time? I mean, it's also too like different parts of maryland are very they, yeah they're different so farms, different even, yeah so you know this is a huge that farm has but a lot to do with it too for 126 so acres there's really not a lot of what you know what's considered tillable soil so we have a lot of rock we have a lot of dry soil yeah. we have a lot of marsh yeah. uh, trees so that could be the thing too i mean if you're sitting on really good fertile soil versus our farm works. that's yeah. really really rocky um so I don't think there's a right answer. I think it's whatever works for, for our family, our brewery, our farm. Yeah, because like, there's people doing it successfully. Then there are people who are adamant that it can just cannot be done in mm -hmm. Maryland. I mean, after, after playing around with it for years, and I mean really hardcore trying, and I just gave up. I was like, I, 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 I couldn't beat nature itself. Nature yeah. beat me. How's that? <laughs> and, and I get it, you know. <laughs> it's like... Um, but at the same time, here we have, you know, 50 acres of, you know, of, um, you know, wheat that we use in our, in our beer and, yeah, and every see. batch of beer. So it's like, I didn't need, uh, because farm breweries have to follow the law and the law states that you have to have some ingredient off the farm. It has to be grown on the farm. It can't just be the water or it can't just be the air. Yeah. You know, you have to have, <laughs> you have to have something grown on the farm. Now, if you're a, a tomato farm and you want to make nothing but tomato beers, that's on you. You know what I'm saying? But that's, it's, that's how the law yeah. was written. And, um, yeah, so if you can use the wheat, then that's perfect. what I'm saying. So that's, we, we use wheat. Wheat helps, uh, to give you, um, a good head on top of your beer. So, and I mean, that's what you're shooting for. Uh, you know, the presentation is, is definitely something. Um, and wheat of course has a, a high proteins, so you can do, um, you know, certain style of beer better than other styles. Um, yeah, there's, we're still trying to figure out how we can use mint because we have a lot yeah, of mint got, on this farm. We've got, we're actually getting ready to come out with a Saison, um, um, yeah, the, the, I'll get it out here in a second. Uh, <laughs> the spearmint Saison. There you go. I got it out. <laughs> as soon as I said, you said mint, I was like, damn it. Peppermint jumped right in my head. I was like, damn it. Not um, peppermint. Not peppermint. No, it's spearmint. Um, what um, do you what What do you guys have coming up that you're excited about? Uh, gore. So going back to gore uh, <laughs> from our, not in our core beers, but our gore beers. So we have um, uh, uh, Russian imperial stouts that we're working on constantly. Um, we have one downstairs right now that's we're working on that's chocolate. I think that's about twelve and a half percent. 
something like that. I can't remember off the top. I don't have my notes in front of me, so I can't remember. Um, but we're doing like a, a chocolatey one. We're doing one uh, barrel aged in Baltimore uh, Spirits Company. Yeah, Baltimore Spirits Company. So, and we're we're doing it in their barrel. Um, so that's a, a um, so the Gore series. Uh, they're all Russian Imperial Stouts, but they're not all the same Russian Imperial Stout. So um, we have Gore de Gok, Gore de Vol, Gore, you know, yeah, there's like, we have several different ones. Uh, the one um, that I'm excited, like most excited about right now is uh, because it's coming out soon is this uh, chocolate one. So I'm, I'm shooting for like massive amounts of chocolate and big smiles. <laughs> <laughs> what, what does that name refer to? It has no basis in anything. Okay. It, it was literally, I wanted to come up with a name that was just, you know, something that people remembered uh, and people do remember it somehow. And it's not even a real name. It's, it doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's just, it was the Gore series and that's how it always was supposed to be. Gore de Gok was the original one and uh, we had, we sold a lot of, we sold a lot of that and, but it's a Russian Imperial Stout. Um, it went, any, that particular one goes anywhere from 10 to 15%. And the other ones, that we, most of the Gore series, that's they're in the ten to fifteen percent range. Okay. What are you excited about, Carrie? What do you got coming up? We have a fall yeah. makers market this weekend. Yeah. Featuring twelve local vendors, so that's been a fun thing that we started last year. Um, friends of ours that have various small shops, and that kind of blossomed into something bigger. Um, it's a great way to support local business. It's a great way to meet new people, bring a different audience out there. I think we're going to do one at Christmas time, but for the most part, we really try to stay true to the no gimmicks. <laughs> there's, there's so much out there and so much competition and so many events and so many things going on that sometimes I think people just want to come out and sit with their friends and enjoy the sounds. And we get a lot of compliments on that. And yeah. the way I kind of look at it is you can get the live music or, or the, this or the, that everywhere else. Um, this is somewhere where you reliably can come out and just sit and enjoy the farm. So we I try not to overdo the gimmicks, try not to overdo the events. Do you have uh, food trucks or anything we here? Do not. <laughs> we sell some light snacks that seem to work. Again, it, this is individual to us. Yeah. So our customers love that they can bring their own food. We do have a decent selection of, of packaged foods, and I think it's working for it us. It looks like really good jerky. Really yeah. good jerky, <laughs> kind of jerky, real nutty out of uh, Ocean City. Um, so again, for us, it works. It, it, it eliminates the sound of the generator. It eliminates yeah. the the coordination. Again, we're well, it's just the two you, of us. If you have a lot, what one? I think that's often listed as the, the, one of the least favorite things for a brewery owner to deal with is yep. coordinating. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, food trucks but if you encourage people and a lot of people do bring food here then it's also it's not sure um I not mean, at, attractive at the end of the day food truck uh, the, the food truck it doesn't really make us any money it's more yeah. um you know you you end up making deals or whatever with the food truck drivers and everything and but at the end of the day um it's really all about the reason why you have food is to have people stay um because you know, drinking on an empty stomach, not fun. Obviously yeah. I don't, I think we've all had that beer and then been like, Oh my God, I don't know if I'll be able to get up and go to the bathroom. I'm so, you know, <laughs> just yeah. off of one beer, you know, kind of thing. But then you have that food and then you just feel like a million dollars at that point. So it's, it makes, it does make a, a bit of a difference. Um, that said, uh, a lot of our customers realize that they can bring food here and they, they bring a big spread with yeah. their, you know, for them and their friends and, 
And it's nothing to walk in here and find, you know, like two or three different tables with food, you know, spread across the entire thing and a whole bunch of people enjoying it just like it's a family dinner. How do people stay up to date on what's going on? Our biggest push right now is Facebook. And I I do recognize that, you know, uh, a lot are still looking at the website and a lot are looking at Instagram and a lot aren't looking at anything. They still pick up the phone and call. So word of mouth, um, word of mouth is huge. So we follow up with all of our parties. I'm usually present during most of the larger groups. So we, we communicate directly with a lot of them. And I would say 90% of people that come in here, I have my bartenders or beer tenders always saying, how did you find out about us? Because people love to tell you that it's their first time. And they always say, well, a friend of mine was here last week or they had a police retirement party and we heard about you then, or, um, I saw your ad on Facebook. So kind of go with what works and try to make everybody's experience good. If we make their experience good, they're going to come back and they're going to tell their friends versus putting all my time and energy into advertising Facebook. But you have to do some of that. You have to keep your website relevant. I I just want to add that we we feel that we have some of the best customer service like around. Um, People are always giving us big props on how we help them set up a, a party or a, you know, whatever they're doing they just they they love the friendliness that we have here um that's that's our big thing we really like to have a good friendly atmosphere we want you to feel like you're at home when you show up and i think we i think we nail that i think that um me being in the industry for so long in customer service in some form for 30 years to me it's so important and i also recognize it's something that's so lost right now and and i haven't seen great customer service overall in the last 10 20 years so that's one thing i stress with everybody we hire is you know there's a piece of tape over there that says everyone that walks in the door is your family member um you know make that interaction count if i'm waiting on you and there's 37 people behind you i'm you're still the only person in the room and i stress that and i'm down here to make sure it happens yeah um but also we hire people that genuinely like people it's not forced yeah. it's not yeah. they're not robotically just giving, going through the motions yeah, yeah going through the motions and if i sense that they are they're not going to be part of the family here so um, i think that's huge for us i think if you read through any of our reviews you always see the atmosphere the customer service and the beer yeah, the fact that we have 20 beers on tap is always, you know, a boon. <laughs> 20 beers and friendly service. So it's, is it friesbrewing.com? Fries it brewing. is. It's really out of date. Okay, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working um, on a, a complete, fresh, new, um, modern look. It's been a battle between the two of us for a while. Yeah. So goodbye, WordPress. Hello, oh, Wix. I love um, WordPress. <laughs> where, you know, a little bit more mobile friendly too, a yeah. little bit more interactive. Um, and it's Fry's Brewing on Facebook. Same thing on mm-hmm. um, I believe Instagram. so. F-R-E-Y-S-B-R-E-W-I-N-G. Which is funny. We've talked a lot about the word brewing. And we've kind of gone from, you know, eight years ago to beer to farm breweries to farm experience and and the word sometimes brewery is limiting right we're always scared Uh, that we're going to scare people off at this point because it you know we don't want people to think that we're just some i don't know like stuck in stuck in the wall kind of a brewery or something like that I I i think at this point though like people expect that from a farm brewery yeah so like it it it's what you're doing is what is expected at this sure. point. Yeah. I'm um, giving people a good 
you know, like I said, the, the, a great experience, I think that was always my, my number one goal. Um, I grew up with a father who was a foodie, like he was a real foodie and he only went to the greatest restaurants and enjoyed, you know, the best foods and, and just growing up with that and knowing that it's not just the food that it's, you know, the entire the whole, experience, yeah. the entire experience from doesn't matter how door, good something is. Exactly. If it's a poor experience, you're if not going to remember. The, I can remember going to restaurants in Baltimore when I was a kid with my father that were like supposed to be like all the rage and we'd show up and it'd be two hours to sit down. And then when you get, you know, finally get seated, you show, you know, hand you a menu or whatever. And then nobody would return again for another hour. And, and that, that, kind of experience was was the wrong experience you know you might, it could have been the best food on the planet but you've already lost me as a as a customer yeah. when when you're doing that so that was the entire reason um you know for you know like hiring the people that we do um we we want we want good smiles on you know with our beer tenders here you know the, the biggest smiles are the best and and that and our we beer really, tenders make you know some you know good tips from that. I mean, it's people love it. We really push for the interaction versus the, I don't like the, what can I get for you? That very short, like yeah. you're here interrupting my time. Um, hi, welcome to fries. What brought you in is, do you have any questions it's about phrase. the menu? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any questions about the menu? Is there something I can help you with? Do you want to try a sip of something so that we make sure that that person walked away with something they like? Yeah. Hey, and, and you know, we have, times where you can tell the person is unsure about what they got and say, if you don't like it, bring it back up. We'll get you something else. Yeah. And then when they leave, same thing. I think every single beer tender asks, how was everything? And in a way that you know, if they're telling the truth or not, if you even get that little bit of, yeah. Oh, like what, what didn't you like? like oh, what, what can we fix? Um, what's I read so. somewhere. I, I can't remember what it was, but it was something talking about like one of the most memorable things that people would list when going to a brewery was whether they were greeted and said oh, goodbye really? to. Wow. Oh, really? That's yeah. funny. Like that, that is one of the biggest contributing factors to the overall experience of someone going to a brewery. I mean, that's, that, it's huge. Like I, I, you know, like we said, it's like as soon as somebody comes through the door, it's like, hey, you know, welcome, welcome to Fridays. Sometimes it's and too much. Like all thing. three of us or four of us will turn around and go, hi, <laughs> hi, hi welcome. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll come down from the house and, and not be behind the bar and it's just natural. I'm like, hi, welcome. And they're looking at me like, who Who's the heck that? are you? Why <laughs> yeah. is that weird person greeting me? <laughs> so yeah, we, we really do pride ourselves on that. Yeah, we really do. Well, Thank you too so much for having me out. Thank this you. place is absolutely beautiful. Um, I apologize that I haven't been here since it was That's just okay. in the milk barn. That's but okay. in my defense, this is like 20 minutes away from my house. Yeah, 20 whole <laughs> minutes. It's nothing. It's central to everything. I always tell people we're in the middle of nowhere, but when they're in the middle of everything. So it yeah. really, 20 it, minutes from everything. Yeah, it, it really. it's not. It's an easy drive here, and it's not that far from it's everything. It's a pretty it just, drive here, I, In my defense, I don't go anywhere. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, we consider this, uh, well, this technically is Mount Airy. Um, but we consider it Liberty town out here, but we're 20 minutes from Westminster. We're 20 minutes from Frederick. We're 20 minutes from Mount, like downtown Mount Airy. Yeah. And you know, only three minutes away from downtown Liberty town. So two minutes away or whatever. And, uh, but you know, within an hour's drive, you can be anywhere. You can be in Baltimore. You can be in, well, you know, DC or something. I mean, maybe a little bit more than an hour, but but this entire region around here, it's easy to get here. I mean, yeah. obviously for you, it's 20 minutes is a long, <laughs> is a long trek, 
but uh, your average person can, you know, can get here and, and it's mostly, you know, like bigger roads, you know, like highway 70, um, you know, to 75 or route 26 or any of these roads, it's not that far away. So everybody can jump on, come on out. Uh, once again, thank you so much for your time and uh, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Chris. Thank Cheers. Cheers. Appreciate it. Take care. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.